0: Good afternoon and welcome to Living Permaculture on KDNK. I'm Vanessa Harmony, here with my co-host Jerome Ostentowski. We thought we would take today's opportunity to give you a summer update from our organizations, Central Rocky Mountain Permaculture Institute in Basalt, Jerome's Organics in Basalt, and Colorado Edible Forest in Glenwood Springs. Central Rocky Mountain Permaculture Institute is a 501c3 sustainable agricultural education center providing research, demonstration, and education in permaculture design, ecological gardening, edible landscaping, market farming, forest gardening, horticultural and sustainability skills, and greenhouse design and management since 1987. Jerome's Organics is an agricultural business producing fruits and perennial vegetables from the forest garden on Basalt Mountain, nursery stock, especially tropical and Mediterranean plants, worm castings, and more. Colorado Edible Forest LLC offers a plant nursery consulting and education centered around forest gardening, edible landscaping, permaculture design, soil building, and nurturing nature as well as our own connection to nature since 2016. Let's start with you, Jerome. What are some highlights from the year to date from Central Rocky Mountain Permaculture Institute and Jerome's Organics? And what are some of the things you're looking forward to in the upcoming part of the year?
1: Well, um, we have started a new um, agroforestry school, uh, which uh, has workshops scheduled for Maryland and uh, Jacksonville and Puerto Rico with Stephanie Uh, And we also in Peonia we're going to be doing an agroforestry workshop. Um, But some of the research that we've, uh, you know, we are always adding more diversity to our forest garden, and uh, I put in about forty new mid-story and uh, nitrogen-fixing plants um, in my forest garden and in the swales. It was kind of fun to add more um, more unique things that weren't there and to fill in the spaces that were. And, and we're also having really good luck with our mushroom cultivation. We had uh, a couple, two years ago we inoculated two swales, one in golden oysters and one in uh, wine caps and they're really fruiting this year. I've been pulling uh, like five to seven pounds off every week on each of those swales since so I've been eating mushrooms this, twice a day and, and I'm going to start selling them. And we're also going to be doing um, indoor mushrooms. We have an indoor mushroom uh, room, and we've found somebody who actually will uh, produce all of the inoculated and sterile bags over in the the front or not in the um, in the Peony area. So we're going to uh, get that mushroom uh, room producing, and we're going to be planting more swales on the. up above uh, core greenhouse, uh, every year we're going to put in new two new swales, inoculate um, mm-hmm. wood chips and cottonwood logs, uh, respectively. One for uh, the wine caps and one for the oyster mushrooms, and it's just an amazing how much uh, production you get out of of something that people would throw away, wood chips for one or cottonwood logs you wouldn't think that they would be worth anything at all but wow you put them there and um, I've been posting uh, shots of all the mushroom growing on these cottonwood logs um, they're half buried in a swale and they just keep flushing and they're just gorgeous and uh, so that's kind of what um, that's part of what we're doing but we're also just always expanding new um, New things in the tropical food forest, I've got, now I've got some um, mangoes and uh, I've got yacon again and about uh, 10 different kinds of citrus. Um, I have uh, Buddha's hand and uh, finger lines and um, tropical raspberries that I brought from uh, Puerto Rico, uh, my guavas, and so we just keep adding more diversity there as well.
0: So anything that is bountiful enough for you to offer for sale, you'll sell to places like restaurants?
1: Yes. We also, in the last few years, we've been selling our perennial vegetables outside and some inside. Um, and uh, Barkley Dodge is from Bosque has been ordering uh, about 10 different perennial vegetables outside. And so this is stuff that the average market farmer wouldn't be growing uh, nettles. We sold five pounds of nettles last week and two pounds of love age and uh, sp- spring garlic, garlic tops, fennel tops. And these are things that are perennial that are f- in the food forest that we never have to plant. And if, if we don't sell them, they um, they either get divided and sold as plants or they flower and they become... Uh, biological control then we could sell the seeds so just about every plant we have in the in the forest garden gets sold or used four or five different ways that's the beauty of a, a perennial food forest it's not just once you pull a radish out it's gone you have to plant it again but you know perennial food forest has so many and I, I just found out that lovage is a cousin to OSHA and so we're going to start tincturing the root of, of, of lovage, and then have some of the properties, uh, similar properties that OSHA has, and that'll be another uh, product that we'll be selling in our um, edible uh, our, our tincture business. And I'm, uh, I'm, I think I'm going to be able to grow some spinanthes this year and outsmart the pill bug, so we'll have some spinanthes to sell in a month or two.
0: Well, that's wonderful that Barclay Dodge of Bosque Aspen is featuring so many unique um, produce ingredients in his menu and that you've been able to provide them.
1: Well, you know, some of the chefs are very unique and they're very innovative, and they'll take some of these products and make oils out of them, and uh, they'll make dressings, and they're, they're alchemists. So it's not like they're just cooking stuff. and so They'll take it in the back room and make different things and store it and use it later, uh, can it, pickle it. Uh, and that's what Barclay does and, and several of the other chefs that I have been selling to. Tiffany buys some stuff, too, up at the uh, penthouse restaurant.
0: That'd be Tiffany Pineda from The right. Farmer and the Chef.
1: Exactly, right. Right. So. And
0: so you started, you started talking about all of the the economic benefits of your perennial vegetables and all of your perennial plants and that kind of leads into something you've been researching which is your idea about a perennial economy
1: exactly that it's basis for a perennial economy and each one of these what we call livelihoods say the food force is a, is a livelihood you know, somebody could take you know the food force and they could sell the produce they could Um, use a lot of the propagation material, you know, divide plants, dig up plants, sell those, sell cyanwood. That becomes a livelihood, that small business. And that's what I'm going to be um, doing this fall is is assigning these off to different uh, young farmers and I already have a couple of candidates to come and help start taking that over so I can retire. And then the tincture business is another livelihood so that the medicinal herbs are all integrated in the food force. Um, so nothing is, stands alone in a f- food force. It's all part of understory, midstory ground covers, uh, overstory um, fruits. We have 150 varieties of fruits, and they're all fruiting this year. And one of my goals is to, have, uh, to sell to the restaurants and, uh, at Bosque. Have uh, sort of like catch of the week, so um, so we have ten different kinds of plums, and they're all on a time, like a time lapse, and so you know we'll have the blue dancing where we ripe, but then in next week there'll be the pembina, and then there'll be the Mirabilas, and then there'll be the um, native plums, and then the Italian early Italian plums, and then we have the poor boy from down in Basalt, so every week there'll be a fairly large amount of fruit to sell or to trade or to, or to freeze uh, for our own use. Yeah.
0: So it'll be like the pick of the week.
1: Pick of the week, and also that's with every fruit we have, like apricots as well. We have 10 different kinds of apricots, and they're all fruiting this year, and 20 different kinds of apples, and they'll be way into the fall. And then, Oh, yeah, and uh, golden raspberries and mulberries. All of those would be a fruit of the week, uh, and you know, a, one restaurant could make a specialty uh, tart out of that particular say a mulberry tart, mm-hmm. or a raspberry tart, you know, uh, or you know, something out of the apples or something out of the plums. The Mirabella, actually, you use in, in Europe to make brandy out of, and um, Barclays already. Uh, used that in his restaurant. He likes that really small, really late plum. It looks like a grape, but it's, oh, it's delicious. And and we have a a, a fair amount of them on the the fruiting this year.
0: All right, so I can see from the research perspective, you've been planting new varieties in the forest garden and in the greenhouses. And from the demonstration perspective, you've been um, providing... Chefs in the region with your produce, and yes. how about from an educational perspective? What's uh, what's been happening this year?
1: Okay, well, we have we had our workshops this spring, and they they went well, and we have our, our I think it's our thirty seventh and thirty eighth PDC uh, scheduled to be over in Paonia, Paonia starting next Monday. I think when this uh, show will will air. Uh, and we have a, a fair amount of people signed up, and we're looking for a few more people to sign up for the, the PDC, which is a nine-day course. And we could uh, offer some uh, local scholarships for that, 50% off if somebody wants to take the, the class. They should get a hold of us at uh, Central Rocky Mountain Permaculture. Um, and we have a an entire team that, that we've built over the years, and we also added two or three. Instructors from Paonia to join us over there and we're going to be designing uh, about a hundred acre parcel over there the old uh, Abandoned Hemp Farm is uh, one of the properties that we're going to be uh, uh, Living on and um, not living on but next door uh, We're going to be designing that as, as, as a project and in, in the design part of the class and then we also have another uh another property where we're actually going to be uh, housed at uh, and then uh, we'll be doing site visits over there, we'll be working with um, Wynn Clearwater, uh, he's going to be one of our new teachers over there and um, Elizabeth um, Aggie and uh, several other farms that we're going to be visiting. That, that's going to be a great uh, opportunity and we, we hope that, that we, we can teach the class at the same place. Uh, next year and the year after that. So we'll have a permanent place for, uh, since we can't do our permaculture class at Grimpy because of our our, our special use permit was denied, denied from the county.
0: And just to clarify for our listeners, PDC stands for Permaculture Design Certification, and it's a design process based on observing nature and trying to mimic the natural processes that propel your design, whether it's a garden or a farm, or it could be a social system. And so in the case of your PDC, the students will actually be designing um, this property that was a degraded hemp farm.
1: Exactly. It's an abandoned hemp farm. So what do we... Uh, everything's a shambles there, and so everything was just left. Um, the greenhouses are not operating. There's about t- fifteen greenhouses, huge drying sheds. So how do you take that infrastructure and turn it into something sustainable, regenerative, and profitable? Uh, and that's what we do as permaculture designers. I mean, obviously, my my little place up on, on Salt Mountain is very productive. So if I can take, I can uh, make a quarter of, or gross a quarter of a million dollars on a piece of rock on Basalt Mountain, what do you think we should be able to do on you know, 70 acres of uh, uh, you know, bottom land and, uh, and infrastructure that's been abandoned? So that's the challenge. And so we, have, we turn a problem into a solution.
0: Lovely. Well, I Spent about three years living up at Crimpy and um, turning the nursery livelihood into an expanded business. Ultimately, I decided to move the nursery to a more accessible location in Glenwood Springs. And so my nursery is called Colorado Edible Forest. And I have Jerome to thank for being my mentor in the nursery industry. And I'll just up, I'd like to update our listeners on what's happening with Colorado Edible Forest. I offer a nursery and consulting and education. I still have quite a large selection of edible perennial plants available for sale at the nursery in Glenwood Springs. Um, the nursery is open for sales and visits by appointment. Um, I have a lot of the perennial vegetables like Jerome was talking about, um, a lot of berry bushes nitrogen-fixing shrubs and grafted fruit trees, and um, upcoming in the fall, I'll have a larger selection of grafted fruit trees that I grafted this spring that are currently healing, as well as a wide variety of new experimental seedlings. Um, One that I'm excited about is something I learned about when Jerome and I interviewed Eric Tonsmeyer about his new book, Trees with Edible Leaves. Mm -hmm. And we talked about Chinese Tune, which is a tree with edible leaves. And according to Eric, the leaves taste like chicken soup. So I have some of those seedlings growing.
1: Well, you know, I also have some uh, pow pow seedlings that I I stratified in my refrigerator. And I just checked to see they're in peat moss. And I left them outside for about a month and a half. And now they're sprouting. So I have about um, 100 pow -pow seedlings that I'm going to be planting uh, you know, again, new exotic things that we're trying to uh, get acclimatized in Colorado and um, and um, yeah, so you have, um, besides the, your, the plants, you also have some, uh, you have consulting, um, uh, can you talk a little bit about your consulting services?
0: Sure, so there are a couple of projects that were planted in the past, um, so I offer consulting and design and installation and maintenance services So these were projects that were planted in the past. Uh, One is is Emma Orchard, which is next to the historic uh, Emma General Store. It was an orchard that was planted in the 1800s, and there are still some apple and apricot and plum trees that are still surviving and still producing fruit. But Picking County Open Space and Trails, who now owns the property, they hired me in 2020 to plant new life into the orchard, by which I mean we planted new heritage fruit trees, berry bushes, and nitrogen fixers. And it's been such a joy to see that orchard grow over the last three years. Um, And it's become like a library, kind of like Central Rocky Mountain Permaculture Institute is, a library for heritage fruit tree genetics. So um, there's that poor boy plum that you mentioned. There are some apples from around Satank and Carbondale. Um, and I want to emphasize to our listeners that Emma Orchard is part of open space. So it is public access. So any of the fruit that's growing there, whether it's the fruit trees or the berry bushes, because there's gooseberries and Nanking cherries and currants, those are available for you, too. So if you're biking along the Emma Trail, feel free to get off your bike and go see what fruit is ripe.
1: And it could be it's similar to uh, Stephanie's uh, food forest in Basalt or right, by the, the Basalt Roundabout. So you could go there and, and, and uh, uh, see what's going and also eat from, right. the, from the vine. Yeah. So, yeah, that the food forest in basalt's doing really well. And, uh, Stephanie will be back here in a few weeks in the valley. That's so, but an- another another project that uh, we had some uh, input in as well as the Cattle Creek Gardens and uh, we did a charrette there Corrine and I my main instructor and then you followed up to plant the f- the, the food forest on uh, on a hillside next to the to the creek.
0: Right, so um, Molly and Travis of Cattle Creek Gardens hired me to help design uh, the orchard and supply the plants, and then I also helped with the installation, and now I'm helping with maintenance. And so that was planted last year, but it's been again a joy to see the trees growing and the berry bushes thriving, and um, to see the also the wildlife starting to figure it out—the birds and the pollinators. Um, and then thanks to Jerome for and Crescent Rocky Mountain Permaculture Institute for doing the design charrette in the first place that got those wheels turning. And,
1: sure. and in the future, what, do you, what projects do you have uh, lined up? Yeah.
0: Well, um, people might know about um, some apple restoration organizations like Montezuma Orchard Restoration Project and the Boulder Apple Tree Project. There's another one in Norwood, Colorado, called the Apple Core Project. And this is an organization I met when I was living up on Basalt Mountain. And they just designed and and, um, created two acres of permaculture swales with three pocket ponds. So all of the swales will be irrigated um, through the pocket ponds. And they're going to be planting heritage apple trees because they... Um, preserve and identify and propagate heritage apples from around their region. So they're going to be planting 75 to 100 apple trees on these two acres of swales, and Colorado Edible Forest will be providing berry bushes and nitrogen fixers and perennial vegetable and uh, insectary and medicinal herbaceous plants to plant amidst those apple trees on those two acres. So that's an exciting upcoming project.
1: Right, and uh, that's uh, and, and another thing that we've been. Michael Thompson and I uh, kind of started the heritage fruit tree uh, preservation project here in the valley, and other people have uh, Jimmy Dula and other people have been putting energy into that, and you have as well. Uh, so that's always um, an open project, isn't it? We you, you're gonna, you're going to do some some more cataloging and uh, research on 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 those. Uh, those new, tre- the old old trees, right?
0: Right. Our valley has an abundance of tasty and historic fruit trees, some of which we know what variety they are, and some of which we don't. But I'd love to formalize a program to try to identify the cultivars of these fruits, in order to find out whether there are possibly some lost cultivars that we can say are now rediscovered. Um, uh, similar to, as I mentioned, those organizations, Montezuma Orchard Restoration Project, um, Apple Core Project, Boulder Apple Tree Project. Um, and you can also send in leaf samples for genetic testing. So um, MORP, Montezuma Orchard Restoration Project, they rediscovered an apple variety called the Colorado Orange. Um, so that was a really exciting success story. And there could be some lost apple or other fruit cultivars hiding here in our valley that we might be able to promote.
1: Right, I have I have 20 varieties of apples that a lot of them I don't have IDs on them uh, because I lost the tags, but I could actually go back to uh, Scott Co- Showkinview and.
0: Um, Scott Skogerbo from Fort Collins Wholesale Nursery. Although yes, he is retiring, he might have retired by yeah, now. Yeah, he's
1: retiring, but he would, he would know if I could send him photos of these apples mm-hmm. because they're all fruiting this year, he could ID them for me, and then I could tag them and put them in my... Uh, all of my uh, guilds, all my terraces have guilds, and they're all have signage, and I'm going to upgrade the signage because I keep adding things. Some things die off. And um, I do a lot of multiple grafts now. I, do, um, I had to prune one of our uh, um, pear trees that had the fire blight. So when it suckered up, I put about 10 varieties of new pears on there. And I do that with all my uh, uh, American plum rootstock. I just cut it off, let it sucker up, and I graft a bunch of different varieties of plums on it. And that's another one thing we want to do is start selling cyanwood wood because that's a good income in the spring when you— don't have any money coming in, you can sell little uh, sticks for propagation and that's, that's a, so we're coming up here to um, closing and uh, we do have uh, our uh, academy coming up in August, so it's 18th of August, I believe, 17th of August, uh, that's an eight-day hands-on class that we'll be doing here in the valley. and. Um, since I can't do um, permaculture, I'm not allowed to teach agriculture. I can bring people to my land as agricultural workers, and and then they get taught while they're in the forest garden, in the greenhouses, and uh, that's how we we operate uh, when we're not doing a, a sit-down class and. So we we're still looking for at least a half a dozen people to sign up for that class. If you can go on our website, you can see uh, more information about that or you could call us at uh, 970-456-3480 or go on our website crimpy.org. Yeah.
0: And how about your agroforestry school that you've mentioned in past episodes?
1: Right. So we're um we're we're scheduled to do uh th- three or four uh, Four-day programs in Maryland and um, and uh, Florida and and um, Puerto Rico, and Stephanie will be doing another PDC uh, in, in in either January or February. I think it's on our, our website or her website, and then also a, an agroforestry workshop down there, a much longer one, maybe a, a one or two-week agroforestry workshop in. In her on her new property, where she's doing contour planting of, I've sent a bunch of lucayena seeds there, and she's planting out those for uh, lucayena uh, contour planting. Uh, so that's that's really exciting because now I have something to do during the fall and into the winter uh, that's related to agroforestry.
0: And to clarify, that, Stephanie Sison, who used to be the co-host of Living Permaculture, but now she decided to move to the tropics.
1: Right. Now she has a new baby, and um, her and her partner, uh, Dan Whitney, are developing this 40-acre parcel into a a permaculture demonstration site down there. And it will be kind of a a sister city or sister property of Crimpy at some point, where we're going to be collaborating and Going back and forth and doing agroforestry projects there, yeah.
0: So, if any of our listeners are interested in traveling for educational programs, there are abundant opportunities through Stephanie Sison and through Crimpe's Agroforestry School.
1: And all that's listed on our uh, on our website. We can sign up for those projects. And the one in Maryland is going to be a lot of fun because it's it's, it's um, going to be. Right around the Pow Pow Fest that Michael Judd has, so we're, or we have agroforestry uh, uh, projects we're going to be working on and uh, Pow Pow orchards that we're going to be visiting, um, and we'll bef- wind up going to the Pow Pow Fest, or we go to the Pow Pow Fest first and do the uh, do the projects afterwards. So it's, mm-hmm. there's a lots of interesting stuff going on in in Maryland and in uh, Vermont and uh, Massachusetts, and uh, in Jacksonville. So, we're going to be doing expanding every year into different areas.
0: All right, and for people that don't have the time or interest in traveling too far, you can consider the permaculture design course in Paonia that we mentioned. Um, Colorado Edible Forest will also be offering an upcoming pop up sale and educational event at the Cocoa Club, so stay tuned for information about that. And if anybody is interested in coming to visit the nursery in Glenwood Springs or set up an appointment to purchase some edible perennial plants, you can reach me at, uh, or you can find my contact information at coloradoedibleforest.com. And as we mentioned, Jerome's Organics and Central Rocky Mountain Permaculture Institute can be reached through crmpi.org or 970-456-3480. So that is our summer update for you all from Central Rocky Mountain Permaculture Institute and Jerome's Organics and Colorado Edible Forest. We look forward to hearing from you all and talking to you next month.
1: Bye-bye. Thank
0: you. Oh, grandfather, tell me how it was when you were young. Was the world so very old? in your life.